Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to hempresent. Our radio resident hempo-sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to hempresent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to Hemp Present, the weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers, and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, in its 25th year found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Transmitting from a hempcrete fortified bunker under a ramshackle reefer radio warren at an undisclosed location deep of underground Seattle. My goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth in 30-minute increments. Today's guest on Hemp Present is Paul Armentano, the Deputy Director of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, Normal, who will be joining me in about one minute. A recent report in the Journal of the American Medical Association Psychiatry indicates that Americans' cannabis use has more than doubled between just 2001 and 2003. The report estimates that, over the 12-year period, the number of adults who have imbibed in the last 12 months grew from 4.1% to 9.5%. You just got to wonder about the accuracy of these numbers. It sounds reasonable that the use has risen as medical marijuana is legal in 23 states in the District of Columbia, and versions of legalization have taken place in Washington, Colorado, Oregon, and Alaska. After almost a century of scorched earth, draconian enforcement of America's pot laws, there appears to be a growing trend to re-examine prohibitionist policies that have filled our jails and prisons with nonviolent pot offenders, a disproportionate of them people of color. The racial strife and divisions that we are experiencing today are in part connected to the racial impacts of current and past drug policy. Yet today, during this interview, some American will be nabbed for some pot-related offense every 42 seconds, potentially entering them into the criminal justice system where, too often than not, the emphasis is on the system rather than the justice. Today, the marijuana legalization movement is considered a viable, tangible, and legitimate political force, but it has not always been that way. Trailblazers had to pioneer and pave the way through the tangled jungles of prohibition to get us where we are. 
and my guest today is one of those trailblazers. Paul Armentano is an expert in the field of marijuana policy, health, and pharmacology. He has served as a consultant for Health Canada for the Canadian Public Health Association and the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Armentano has spoken at numerous national conferences and legal seminars. He's testified before state legislatures and federal agencies and assisted dozens of criminal defense attorneys in cases pertaining to the use of medical cannabis, drug testing, and drug driving. He's a frequent guest on radio, and to prove that point, he is with me today in our virtual studio. Welcome, Paul, to him present on Cannabis Radio. It's good to be here, Vivian. Nice to speak with you. Paul, do you ever wake up, splash some water on your face, look into the mirror and say to reflection, I'm the smartest person in the pot reform movement? (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you saying that. I am in with some very lauded company, but I certainly would put myself among uh, the limited group of people who have expertise in this issue and have been doing it for 20 years. As I like to tell people, There's very few people in this country that five days a week, 70, 80 hours a week for 20 years have gotten up and spent the bulk of their day studying cannabis and cannabis policy. And fortunately or unfortunately, I'm among the very few that have. Well, I I joke about a PhD in THC, but for you, it's really not that much of a joke. Paul, I got a fairly standard actual first question, and that is, have you always been a cannabis true believer, or was there a conversion that took place at some point along the way? No, this is something I've felt strongly about for a very long time. At a very early age, I believed in this concept that I call the autonomy of consciousness, this notion that if we are to exist in a truly free society, then it is inherent that we as free individuals have the ability to control what substances we ingest and how we temporarily alter our consciousness. And if we are going to allow the state or the federal government the authority to draw an arbitrary line that says if you imbibe or if you ingest these substances to alter your consciousness, that's okay, that's celebrated, that's legal. But if you ingest those substances to alter your consciousness, we are going to bring the full power of the state and its enforcement upon you. Uh, That is an example to our liberty. And nowhere do I think the line is any more arbitrary uh, than with cannabis. Yeah, the the ultimate sovereignty is the sovereignty of our own minds and bodies, right? Exactly. How and when did you get involved with normal? I became involved with normal. 20s. That was in the mid-1990s. It was an entirely different political landscape than it is today. In fact, even public sentiment was very different 20 years ago. When I first uh, began this journey, only about a third or so of the population uh, supported the legalization of marijuana. And by and large, the media, politicians, and most of the public was very skeptical of this notion of even using cannabis therapeutically, and we've seen a dramatic change in public and political sentiment over these last two decades. After these last few decades of activism and advocacy, the ground is shifting beneath our feet in many areas as prohibition seems to be on the way to being defeated by death by a thousand cuts, or at least the dominoes look like they're starting to fall. As a reform-based organization, which even has the word reform in its name, how is normal preparing for a time down the road when the reform has been accomplished, or what is Normal's vision for itself post-legalization? 
sure. Those are great questions. Uh, I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. The reality is that many, many people, too many people, still live in jurisdictions where any use or possession or cultivation of marijuana is a criminal offense and an offense that can bring potential prison time, that can disenfranchise somebody from their voting rights, and that can separate uh, families. Parents lose their children over their use of marijuana. Sometimes they continue to do so even in legal marijuana states. So there is much work that needs to be done, and there continues to be work uh, even in reform states to sustain those reforms and to evolve those reforms and better craft those public policies. Mm -hmm. So normal still has a mission to represent the individual responsible consumer and try to advocate for change in laws and change in the culture that no longer have that responsible adult consumer be discriminated in the workplace or subject to criminal penalties for their own uh, responsible use. Moving forward, post-legalization, there is going to continue to be a need for organizations like Normal to play a role, a key role at the table, in crafting responsible regulatory policies, making sure that cannabis is not over-regulated, making sure that cannabis is not overtaxed, making sure that responsible cannabis users are no longer stigmatized or decriminalized in places like in the workplace or in child custody issues. Uh, much like with the prohibition of alcohol, We've seen over the last century a gradual evolving that's continuing today of America's alcohol policies. We're going to see that same sort of evolution occur with marijuana. This is not going to be something uh, we win all at once. It's going to be a constant battle so that we do not lose ground and so that we continue to gain ground in the future. I totally feel you, Paul, especially being in Washington State, which I feel has done perhaps the worst job so far of, of legalization of the four. I only have a few minutes. Normal's longtime executive director, Alan St. Pierre, who I consider a great friend, has stepped down just in the last few weeks. Uh, can you comment on that, and what does that mean for Normal? Sure. I've known Alan. I work closely with Alan, and I consider him a friend, and that's been for the better part of the last two decades. Alan recently became a new father. He did so fairly late in life. As a father myself, I understand a lot of what he was struggling with and what he was going through. Uh, your priorities in life change. Uh, your outlook on life begins to change. And he felt a strong desire to make his family and his young child the overwhelming priority in his life. And he recognized that it is very difficult to do that when you are running a national organization, when you are engaged in essentially a 24-7 job position. Uh, yeah. And he felt the need after 25 years, half of his life doing this work, uh, to step back for a time uh, and try and spend uh, more time to focus on his family. And again, as a father myself, I've dealt with it, with those issues and, and totally understand where he's where he was coming from, and I think it was a decision that is going to be in his opportunity to perhaps move in some slightly different directions in the near future. Sounds like he's got his priorities straight. As a, I'm speaking as a grandfather, 
I only got two minutes before the break. There's talk of a federal rescheduling of cannabis, which is currently Schedule One controlled substance. How important is it, Paul, to deschedule cannabis entirely like alcohol and tobacco rather than Schedule Two, which keeps being suggested by mainstream institutions and a few politicians? Well, you're exactly right. Rescheduling, particularly to Schedule Two, is largely symbolic. If we are really going to envision a society where we treat cannabis in a manner where the states have autonomy on how to best control and regulate the product like we do with alcohol, then cannabis needs to be descheduled. It needs to be taken out of the Controlled Substance Act completely. The world public envisions a future where marijuana is legal and regulated, they are not envisioning a society where marijuana is treated like cocaine or where marijuana is treated like methamphetamine. That's the sort of society we would have if marijuana is rescheduled to two. That is not good public policy, and it continues this intellectual dishonesty uh, that overrepresents the potential risks and dangers of cannabis to both the public and the general society. I am speaking with Paul Armentano from the National Organization for the Reform Marijuana Laws, normal.org. We're going to take a quick pause for the cause because there's flaws in the laws. Hear a word from our sponsors and advertisers and be right back. We're just getting started. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the third annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. The most influential business event in the marijuana industry returns for three days in Oakland, California. Join your fellow industry leaders and policy influencers June 20th through 22nd for an in-depth educational experience and network with more than 3,000 cannabis professionals. The 2016 Cannabis Business Summit and Expo will feature keynote presentations from California Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom and Numi Organic Tea CEO Ahmed Rahim giving you insight into cutting-edge policy discussions and the most innovative business practices. All this plus the most comprehensive expo floor in the industry. The Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 20th through 22nd in Oakland. Don't miss out. Register right now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com and save 15% off registration using promo code RADIO15. That's CannabisBusinessSummit.com, promo code RADIO15. We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Paul Armentano from Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Paul, what specifically do you do in your work with Normal 
Uh, and what current projects are you most excited about? Uh, sure, that's a great question. So I generally produce and oversee the majority of the content that comes out uh, under the normal banner. So any press releases, any updates to the website, any additions to the blog, those are generally uh, uh, subjects that are authored by myself. I also engage in a lot of media outreach. Uh, I'm generally the one that engages in interviews with reporters from the national media, representatives from talk radio. I craft plenty of op-eds and commentaries in, in newspapers around the country. I write a regular column for The Hill, which is an inside the Beltway publication that's largely re read by members of Congress and their LAs. I also focus a lot on the science and the research. Uh, specific to cannabis. I do write in peer-reviewed journals. I'm frequently the representative that speaks at academic-related uh, conferences, at continuing medical education seminars. Uh, and I'm also the author of a number of books on marijuana policy. So I tend to keep very, very busy in this day and age. We're experiencing a heroin, fentanyl, and oxycontin overdose death epidemic in America unprecedented levels. What does science tell us? How important can cannabis be in combating opioid abuse? That's a really interesting question. And it's a question that a couple of years ago, only a very small few of us were actually even paying attention to. And fortunately, in recent months, this has become a very prominent issue. So here's what the data says to date. What we tend to see is that in jurisdictions where patients have legal access to cannabis therapy, in other words, if patients live in a state where they can both gain a recommendation from a physician and also readily obtain access to marijuana when they have that recommendation, what we tend to see is a year-to-year -year decrease in opioid-related mortality. So we see fewer deaths related to both prescription opioids and illicit opioids in these jurisdictions where patients have ready access to medical marijuana. And those mortality figures fall year to year to year. So over time, we're seeing fewer and fewer deaths in those jurisdictions. We also have separate data that there is less opioid abuse in those jurisdictions. So in other words, subjects that are legally using opioids with a prescription, they are using fewer opioids than in comparable states. And we see far less doctor shopping or abuse of opioids in those jurisdictions where medical cannabis is permitted. We also see a reduction in the use of non-opioid prescription drugs as well. And this was just articulated in a recent national survey that calculated that patients in these jurisdictions are spending far less money on certain prescription drugs to treat a number of ailments where medical marijuana is likely an alternative. So I think two things are going on. I think there is a substitution effect where individuals are simply replacing their use of opioids with cannabis. And in some cases, we are also seeing individuals simply cut down on their opioid use because they're using cannabis adjunctively. So clearly, in addition to symptomatic relief, we are seeing a harm reductionist effect 
in these lower levels of abuse and lower levels of inadvertent overdose. And of course, the natural uh, conclusion is that, that there's lives being saved. Would you agree? Exactly. I, I think the data shows that now in very stark and specific terms. Paul, perhaps the most complicated legal aspect of cannabis use is driving. We here in Washington State have this unscientific and arbitrary, and those are my words, 5 nanogram THC blood level DUI provision, uh, and several other states do, I believe, as well. What does the data tell us about pot and driving? And let's just say right now that nobody should drive in an impaired state regardless. Uh, but what does the data tell us? Well, the first thing the data tells us is that a 5 nanogram standard is, in fact, unscientific and arbitrary. So you're using the correct terminology uh, when you say that, Vivian. Fortunately, there are only a handful of states that have set uh, those sort of unscientific and arbitrary standards. The reality is, is that many behaviors can increase one's risk of accident. Driving with two or more people in the car more than twofold increases one's risk of accident. Eating while in the car or tuning the radio while driving increases one's risk of accident by nearly 2%. Simply being pregnant increases one ac- one's accident of being involved in an automobile crash by 50%. So the question really ought not to be, does the act of driving after consuming cannabis potentially increase accident risk, but in what context does it increase accident risk compared to these other uh, comparable behaviors, many of which uh, are not even identified as necessarily a societal problem. So when one looks at the data, what we tend to see is that the higher the potency of cannabis, the greater the quantity of cannabis inhaled is going to influence driving behavior. Now, that, the time where cannabis influences that behavior tends to be fairly short-term. We see an acute impairment of period about 20 minutes after inhalation lasting for about 60 minutes after inhalation. And we see that naive users, individuals who are less experienced with cannabis, seem to experience more dramatic effects. These effects can potentially increase one's risk of accident. But when you crunch all of the data and all of the science assessing whether drivers who test positive for THC in their blood are more culpable than drivers that are drug negative, what we see is that on average that elevated accident risk is about 30%. It's at the very low end of the spectrum when we are assessing the broad number of behaviors uh, that tend to increase accident risk. Uh, It is comparable with drivers who test positive for the use of penicillin, for instance. Uh, And it is far lower than the elevated odds ratio associated with drivers who engage in the legal consumption of alcohol or have blood alcohol levels within legal limits, which is associated with about a fourfold increase in accident risk. Uh, The bottom line, if you're going to smoke marijuana, wait about four hours before driving and never consume marijuana and mix it with alcohol before driving because then we do see what appears to be an additive effect on driving performance, an additive adverse effect. I have about two minutes uh, before the next break. We have always heard that smoking pot gives you the munchies. 
that it makes a person really hungry. And I think it's true to some degree, but is it really true that THC may actually inhibit weight gain? That's a great question. It's a complex one. The bottom line is that we see an association between regular use of marijuana or subjects that have a history of cannabis use and overall better metabolic indicators as compared to subjects who don't have that history of cannabis use. So in other words, we tend to see lower blood sugar levels, lower cholesterol levels, a lower body mass index associated with individuals who have a history of cannabis use. And we don't exactly know why uh, we're seeing that association. There could be some confounding variables. It may have to do, uh, in some cases, simply with lifestyles or the physical activity of individuals who have a history of cannabis use. It could also be physiological. The endogenous cannabinoid system may be amplified that is causing some of these metabolic changes. The bottom line is we don't exactly know the mechanism of action at this time. But we do see that empirical result uh, fairly consistently in the data. So people may want to hold off on the medicated cotton candy right now, right? (laughs) I got to go to the next break very quick, but several states are poised to make a run at legalization this year. Are there any races that you are particularly excited about? Well, certainly California is the largest state, has the ninth uh, largest economy in the world, and clearly it tends to be a trendsetter when it comes to national politics. So many would argue that is the big prize this year, but the reality is is nine states now have marijuana-related ballot measures that have qualified. If even half of those are to pass in November, that is going to cause a sea change in marijuana policy in this country. I am talking to Paul Armentano from the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. We're going to take another quick pause, hear from our sponsors, come back with our final questions. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chi Chin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, think that's the point. Download and play while you life yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Source, shop, network, and learn at Indo Expo, covering all things cannabis from seed to sale. Portland, Oregon's Expo Center, August 6th and 7th. 
Source and shop over 250 exhibitors. Network and learn at our educational seminars all weekend long. Free admission for buyers, store owners, and MJ industry professionals. Looking for a career in the MJ industry? Attend Indo Expo's Career Fair, Sunday, August 7th. Over two dozen companies are looking to place positions from master growers to marketing directors. Visit www.indoexpo.com to learn more. See you at the show. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio, talking to Paul Armentano for our final questions. You have authored or co-authored several books, uh, Paul, including The Citizen's Guide to State-by-State Marijuana Laws. Can you describe that book and how readers might find it useful? Sure. You know, in 2016, one of the most vexing realities about marijuana prohibition has to do with the fact that it is almost entirely um, the result of geography. If somebody lives in Washington State, they can get a license or obtain a license to commercially produce and sell marijuana to those over 21. If in Oregon, they can legally cultivate their own marijuana. But if they go northwest into Idaho or cross borders into Oklahoma, those same activities are going to subject them to criminal arrest and likely a lengthy prison sentence. Uh, cultivation of even a single marijuana plant in the state of Oklahoma, for instance, under state law is punishable potentially by life in prison. So we have these incredibly disparate marijuana policies and penalties, and the, they are really simply a factor of our state borders. There is nothing inherent to marijuana per se that makes it a criminal act other now than geography. Because these laws are now so disparate and so different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, the handbook I put together really lays out for the individual. It stresses and highlights the differences between these state laws. I would argue if you are a responsible cannabis consumer and planning a road trip, this is sort of a must-have for your glove compartment. Paul Armentano, thank you so much for being on Hand Present on Cannabis Radio. You are a national resource, norml.org. Take care, my good friend, and thanks so much for being with me. Hey, it's been good to talk to you, Vivian, and keep up the great work on your end, too. You bet, brother. Now I want to get to a weekly feature here presented on CannabisRadio.com, and that's the quote of the week, and here it is. Quote, I cannot find the harm in it. That is Dr. Sanjay Gupta, neurosurgeon and medical professor and an Emmy award-winning chief medical correspondent for CNN, responding to Katie Kirk's question asking about recreational pot use. That concludes this installment here presented on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank my peeps in the control room, Hannah and Brasco, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. And don't forget to email me at hampersin at gmail.com. The Hemp Present theme song, Take Back the Plant, is performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana! THC!
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.